you join us online today. Um, I don't know about where you live, but where we live here in Gooding, the number of COVID-19 cases has been increasing rapidly. There are more active cases today in the local area than there have been since the pandemic began. And so we're doing online-only church again this week and at least two more Sundays, and then we'll reassess and um, decide what we do going forward after that. But we're glad you're here with us today. Thank you for being with us. Uh, We're going to just have some announcements and prayer and the sermon as part of our uh, online worship service today. I want to encourage you to worship God in music. Go to YouTube or, or whatever source of music you have and Listen to some music that glorifies God, that's written to praise Him and glorify Him and declare Him uh, to the, you and the world around you. I want to encourage you to incorporate that. And take time to pray. If you want to share a prayer request with us or with me personally, you can do that by uh, putting a comment into our Facebook page, Desert Hills Community Church. We're the, there are two of them on Facebook. We're the one in Gooding, Idaho. Go there and you can post a private comment that, that only I will see uh, to post your prayer request. You can email me at rickstap1 at gmail.com, R-I-C-K-S-T-A-P-P-1 at gmail.com. I'd love to be praying for you specifically. And uh, the local people uh, know that we're faithful to pray. And uh, you, I can share that prayer request with our prayer chain if you'd like, or I can keep that private, um, however you prefer. But I'd love to support you in prayer. And we also would love for you to support us. Uh, you hear me say this all the time. God's plan for funding His ministry on earth is through the tithes and the offerings of His people. And so you can uh, send your tithe to us in one of two ways. Uh, you can go to faithlife.com and find our our uh, account there, Desert Hills Community Church, the Nazarene, Gooding, Idaho. And you can make uh, a tithe and offering there, or you can mail it to us in the form of a check. You can send that to Desert Hills Community Church, 129 6th Avenue West, Gooding, Idaho, 83330. And so we want to encourage you, um, one of the common dynamics in almost every single church during this pandemic is that tithes have gone down and um, we need your tithe to continue this ministry and so I encourage you to be faithful to God and and uh, support this ministry and, and send in your tithe. I wrote my tithe check this morning, put it in the church office so that those who make the deposits to the bank can get that and so um, I walk the talk. Uh, my wife and I tithe on every single penny, the gross income that we receive, every single penny we tithe on. And we're continuing to do that during this pandemic because the circumstances of our life do not change the truth of God's Word. If you go to Malachi chapter 3 and read about the blessings that come to those who are faithful to give to God what He asks, it's amazing. And um, who would not want that kind of abundant blessing to overflow in their lives from God? Certainly I desire that, and so um, I'm leading by example and am free then to encourage you to tithe. So thank you, and God bless you as you do. I know He does, and I know He will. So uh, we're going to open with a word of prayer, invite God's presence into our lives. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. 
Thank you for the privilege to worship Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Jesus, we stand in awe of you that you came to earth, uh, departing the glory of heaven to serve your Father's will, that you lived as a human without sin. What an amazing thing. You are the one who has lived on this earth free entirely from sin. And because of that, you could follow the will of your Father and become the sacrifice that takes away our sins. And so we receive your sacrifice. We thank you for the blood you shed upon the cross. We thank you that you gave your very life there, that we might be forgiven and saved and restored to right relationship with our Father in heaven. Thank you, Father, that, that by your awesome power, Jesus rose from the dead on the third day and lives forever. Thank you, Jesus, that you are alive today and you have poured your Holy Spirit out upon the church. Thank you that you prepare a place for us to come one day and dwell with you forever and ever without end in heaven to serve you and to worship you there. What a great day. What a great future. What a great eternity you have gained for us in your sacrifice on the cross. And Holy Spirit, we recognize and welcome your presence in our midst. We are not in the same room, but you are not limited to be in us and among us. And so come, Holy Spirit, give us power, give us truth, give us conviction, give us wisdom to know and to live by the truth that you have revealed to us in your word and by your spirit. And so come, Holy Spirit, and be powerful in our midst. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, for we seek to glorify and honor you today. Amen. All right, well, thank you for praying with me. We're going to start a a sermon series for the next five weeks. It's entitled, It's a Great Life. And I hope that, that today and in the weeks ahead as we look at, indeed, it is a great life that you are able to rise above your circumstances and celebrate the greatness of your life because of the manifest presence of God in it. And so the title of the first sermon of It's a Great Life is Guilt. Wow, that sounds awesome, Rick. (laughs) Right? Guilt. But hang in there with me, okay? Good stuff today that demonstrates to us that because of God, it's a great life. So we're going to look at Psalm 51 this morning. So if you want to begin turning in your Bible or your Bible app, To Psalm 51, that's where we're going to be today. We're going to read it in its entirety. You ever felt guilty? Have you ever felt guilty? Maybe it's the food you're eating, or maybe it's lack of exercise, or it's something you said, something you did. We all feel a little bit of guilt from time to time, don't we? Sometimes, a whole lot of the time. In order to help people deal with guilt, developers of of a relatively new app called the Whisper app, the Whisper app, have created a social media platform for getting rid of past sins. You go on the Whisper app and you share all the bad stuff you've done. I want to give you a few examples of this interesting app because, I don't know, maybe it'll benefit your spiritual life in some way. Here's what a few members have confessed on the Whisper app. I tell everyone I was laid off from my job because of pay cuts. 
but I got fired because I stole people's lunches from the fridge. Someone else said, I've turned into the worst babysitter ever. Now I just steal their food and take naps. That's everyone's, every parent's worst nightmare right there, isn't it? Next one, I've cheated on my girlfriend and I want to say I feel bad, but I don't. Now, that's a little more serious. Here's another one. I've been faking a British accent ever since I got into college three years ago. And another, I work at a pet store, and sometimes I tell rude customers they can eat the dog treats because they're organic. They're not. So, here's a little tip. Stop eating the dog treats at the pet store. How do you deal with guilt in your life? God has a much more substantial solution than the Whisper app. Do you know God wants you to live in freedom? God does not want you to live a life that is filled with guilt. But unfortunately, many times we feel it because we look around and we realize we've done things that are wrong. How do we recognize the fact that we've done things that are wrong? And how do you make sure your life is not dominated by feelings of remorse? If you have a guilty conscience, you'll never achieve your full potential in Jesus Christ. God wants you to live a life of freedom. You're going to make some mistakes in life. A good church motto would be, no perfect people allowed. Because we realize everyone has their own junk. But what we do with our junk has everything to do with where we go with God. Today, I want to look at the 51st Psalm, an amazing passage of Scripture that describes how we can live a life that is free from guilt. The backdrop of the story of Psalm 51 is that it is written by a man by the name of King David. He's the second king of Israel. David is known in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. He is a noted character in the Bible, a leader, a man of God, an awesome person. But David also made some mistakes, some big ones. In the story of his life, we find that during springtime, he's out looking over his roof. Normally during springtime, the kings were off at battle. Kings were expected to lead from the front with their warriors. For some reason, David stayed home that year. And looking across the city of Jerusalem from the palace he lives in, he sees a beautiful woman by the name of Bathsheba. Bathsheba is actually taking a bath on the roof of her house. That seems strange to us, right? But roofs then were typically flat, had side retaining walls on them. They did not have indoor plumbing, and the inside of dwellings was not a good place to be splashing the spill in water. So the custom then was to take... Um, the water up on the roof, and bathe there. Bathsheba uh, is described as a very attractive woman, and David is drawn to her after looking at her for more than a glance. He sends a message summoning her to the palace where he seduces her and has an adulterous relationship with her. A short time later, he receives a message that Bathsheba has conceived. This is a huge problem because her husband, 
Uriah the Hittite is off a war. And how does David explain this one? David brings Uriah the Hittite off the field of battle to the palace. He has him brought into his quarters, tells him he's doing a great job, and tells him to go home and be with his wife. But out of loyalty to his fellow troops, Uriah chooses not to go home, but to sleep on the steps of the palace. Now, David's plan, his cover-up, has been destroyed. What is he going to do? He gives Uriah a sealed message to give to his general, Joab, the leader of the Israelite forces. His message to Joab says, Have Uriah the Hittite killed on the field of battle. And so he does. Uriah has no idea that the note he is carrying is his own death sentence. He gives it to the general, and he loses his life. Wow. David goes into a deep, dark depression. He is then confronted by the prophet Nathan, who reprimands him, and David confesses his sin. It is out of that story, that emotion, that struggle that the 51st Psalm is written. It is David getting his heart in tune with God after he has committed these grievous sins. If you will turn with me to Psalm 51, we'll see this powerful story unfold and we'll see how we too can overcome the guilt in our lives. Psalm 51, for the director of music, a psalm of David. When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. The first thing David does 
is to acknowledge the character of God. How we approach God has everything to do with who we believe he is. If you believe God is a heavy-handed judge who is seeking to smack you around all the time, you will never want to come and have an intimate relationship with him. What we believe about God has everything to do with our ability and our capacity to come and make things right with him when we struggle. Notice how David begins this psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great transgress according to your great compassion blot out my transgressions david describes god as compassionate a god who is merciful a god who is loving i want you to know today that no matter what you've done or where you've been or what you've said or what you've been a part of god is merciful he is loving and he is compassionate That's who God is. And that's why we can approach Him. That's why we love Him. That's why we worship Him. Because He's that kind of God. So we must acknowledge the character and the nature of God. Sometimes getting caught is one of the best things that can happen in our lives. David got caught. Nathan confronted him. I wonder... If the prophet had not confronted David, whether he would have continued doing the same thing throughout his life. He needed somebody to redirect him. Sometimes God will put a Nathan in your life to redirect you and to help you and coach you. Don't see it as a curse. See it as a blessing. That's a good thing. But it begins with the character and the heart of God. The reason you can live a life today that is not dominated by guilt is that God is merciful and compassionate and loving. This is why we acknowledge God's character. We must also admit our own sins. We have to come clean with what we've done. Many people, instead of confessing sins, will blame others or give excuses. We've all done a little of that. She made me do it. Or, I was weak and vulnerable. Or, it was just once. Or, I was sad. I was angry. They provoked me. It's easy to blame others. Some people do their own form of penance and punish themselves. Some deny it. Some ignore it. What God wants us to do is confess it to make it right with Him. Let's confess to God. Let's not justify it or try to argue around it. Let's not ignore it. Listen, I know this is hard stuff. Today we're shooting straight and we're talking openly and honestly because I want you to live a life that is not dominated by guilt. But the only way that can happen is by coming clean with God. We must own it. We must say, God, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have been a part of that. When we admit our failures, freedom comes. Your life will be so much better if you are not dominated by guilt. Let's come to God. Let's admit what it is, whatever has gone on. If it was five years ago, ten years ago, yesterday, whenever it was, come clean with God and we can move forward in freedom. 
How does David do this? In verse 4 he says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. David says, I have sinned against God. Every time we sin, we sin against God. Sometimes we think, well, nobody knew about it. It was very private. It wasn't that big a deal. Listen, when you sin, you sin against God. The next time you start to go down the path of temptation, before you cross the line, remind yourself, when I sin, I sin against God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to grieve the heart of God. I don't want to hurt God. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of God. Don't do it. Then David tells us in verse 14, that part of how we admit this, is by being specific about our sins. He says, Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves lives. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. That shedding of blood is talking about Uriah the Hittite, the husband of Bathsheba, David's adulterous lover. David says, I killed that guy. I was terrible. I was bad, God. I own that. I'm going to take responsibility for it. I'm going to be specific. In other words, I'm not going to say, God, please forgive me for everything in the universe that I may or may not have said or done. That's not really a confession. Confession is, God, I did this, and please forgive me for that specific thing. There's a spirit of brokenness in the heart of David that is yielded to God and to God's work in his life. In verse 17, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, O God, will not despise. God wants a broken heart, a repentant heart. There's a huge difference between fake repentance and real repentance. Real repentance is when we truly turn away from sin and go to God the way of God, and we stop doing what we've been doing. As a pastor, I talk to a lot of people. People come to me and confess all kinds of sins. No subject matter is off the table. I want to tell you I'm amazed that there's basically two kinds of people. Some who come and say, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and, and I pray, and they pray, and after we pray, there's a new person. And God restores them. It's awesome. It's something to see. What a privilege. But there are others who will come in. They will cry. And they will say the same things the other people did. But then they will go back and do the same thing they swore they would never do again. And so I ask myself, how is that possible? Without God in our lives and His power, we are all creatures controlled by sin. And if we're not careful, we can continue to go right down the same path. A lot of people cry because they got caught. A lot of them fake a contrite spirit and a broken heart because they're embarrassed that everybody found out about it. But the person who really turns to God is the person who will have a transformed life. Once we come clean with God and admit these things, then That's when the healing 
and the transformation and the power of God begin to be evident in our life. And David, he didn't do just one or two things. There are ten commandments, right? Ten. David broke five of them just in this story. Check this out. He coveted another man's wife. He stole Bathsheba from Uriah the Hittite. He committed adultery. He lied. Then he murdered to cover up all the other sins. Is that not incredible? I mean, do you ever think David thought when he was looking at this beautiful woman that this adulterous relationship would lead him to the path of murder? I don't, I know. But when we sin and we don't admit it, guess what we must do? We have to keep on sinning to cover everything up. Then, before we know it, what started as one sin becomes a multitude of sins because we're trying to keep everything secret. People will lie about sex more than any other sin. It's crazy. And David is a great example of this. He lies, and then he lies, and he lies some more. And he keeps covering it up until finally he straight up gets caught. But once we come clean with God, we can accept God's forgiveness. And this is where it gets really good today, church. It's been a little heavy today, but stay with me because what I'm about to share with you is going to set you free. When we come clean with God, we accept God's forgiveness. God restores us. In verse 7, David says, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Hyssop is a plant that was used in ancient times for medicinal and cleansing purposes. David says, God, cleanse me. God, cleanse me. Look at that last phrase, I will be whiter than snow. When you admit sin to God, God blots out that sin. It's like the sin was not even there in the first place. That's amazing that God could look at your life and He would not see, oh, she said this, or He did that. Um, No, God says what I see is something that is whiter than snow. It is purified. One time I got ink from a pen on a pair of my khaki pants. They were some of my favorite pants. They were stylish. I was really proud of them. Somebody said, just spray some hairspray on it. And so it was about a dime-sized stain. And I sprayed hairspray on it, and guess what it did? It smeared it all over the place. Now, it may have been operator error, right? I'll confess that. But it made the stain worse. It was bad. It was terrible. Um, I wonder when we look at our lives how many times we see a huge mess, but God sees a stain that has been removed entirely. How many times do we admit sin to God and then live in bondage? That's crazy. We will come to God with a contrite heart. We will confess in all sincerity Yet many times we will forget to forgive ourselves. We admit the sin, but we don't accept forgiveness. Let God forgive you today. Quit condemning yourself. Quit looking at your life through the lens of your own perception and begin to see your life through the lens of God. 
God says, I will wash you whiter than snow. It's like you never sinned. It's like God took shout out to your life. He pushed the delete button. When you confess your sins to God, your sins are gone. They're gone. They aren't coming back. So let's come to God. Let's admit it and let's receive God's forgiveness. Look at this in verses 2 and 3. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. So let's you and I do a little spiritual detox, confessing some sin. The detox is to get out the toxins in our lives. We all have toxins, don't we? We need to get rid of those things and then we will feel better. You feel revived like, well, how about that? There are times we need a spiritual detox. The spiritual detox is when we come and confess that sin to God and then allow ourselves to receive God's forgiveness. If we have salvation in the name of Jesus Christ, we have joy. David says in verse 10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God is going to restore a strength in your life that you haven't had. David says in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Oh, the joy of my salvation. Sometimes, When you get riddled with guilt, dominated by guilt, you have forgotten what it was like to have salvation in Jesus Christ in the first place. David says, restore me, God. I want to go back like when I first met you (coughs) and when I first fell in love with you and when I first heard the message of salvation. Take me back there, he says. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. When we accept God's forgiveness, it will bring back the old joy to us. David says something similar in verse 14. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are my God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing your righteousness. He says, I want to worship you. I want to praise you. I want to adore you, God, because you have been so faithful. Because joy comes from having forgiveness. It starts with the character of God and it requires us to admit what we've done. Then we need to accept God's forgiveness. Because a lot of people will admit what they've done, but they won't let God forgive them. Or they will continue to punish themselves. David's story doesn't end there. Finally, finally he says, We have to advise our friends. Look at this in verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will come back to you. In other words, David says, listen, when I've been forgiven, when I've experienced the grace, the compassion, the mercy of God, I must tell somebody else. I don't want to have the grace and mercy and love of God in my life and hoard it. I want to be able to share what God has done in my life. I've found the longer people are Christians, the less likely they are to talk about their past sins. The longer we're in church, the longer we are around Christians, the less we want to talk about our past. And I'm not talking about bragging on sins or glorifying immorality, but I think there is something powerful about being able to share our journey, 
to share how the mercy and the grace of God have transformed our lives. Let's not ever get into a position where we think we are so sanctified we can't talk about how God redeemed us and how God took the stain of sin in our life and spiritually poured bleach all over it and created a new heart within us. David says, I want everybody else to know. I want other people to know about God's mercy and forgiveness. I want to bring my friends to Desert Hills because I want them to know about the grace and the mercy of God like I have met the grace and mercy of God. You see, when your heart has been transformed, you can't keep it to yourself. You need to be giving it away. You need to start talking to others, sharing your story. Let's advise others. Let's point our friends. Let's point our family, our children, our loved ones to the grace and the mercy and the compassion of God. Because there are some who are living under the weight of guilt. And guilt is not necessary. God cleanses us. And once we get those things right with Him, that's our journey today. That's what we want to do. We don't want to be stingy with the mercy and the grace of God. We want to share it with as many people as we can. Listen, it's a great guilt-free life. What do we do? We acknowledge God's character. God is mercy. He's merciful. God is gracious and forgiving. He is loving We admit our own sin, whatever it is we've done. We accept His cleansing. And we advise our friends. That is how we live a great, guilt-free life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank You that we can and, and do. We come to You and we confess them. We speak them specifically. And we acknowledge before You that that they are sin and we have sinned and then we receive your forgiveness indeed you are compassionate you are full of mercy and grace you are for us and you forgive us and we receive that today again perhaps for the very first time come and forgive God as we speak our sin out to you and then let us receive the forgiveness of God and forgive ourselves and live in glorious, joyful freedom today and the, every other day of the rest of our lives. And let us look forward with the greatest anticipation to the coming of Jesus Christ to take us home. Jesus, come and receive us. And we, by faith in you, will live forever and ever in heaven in your presence to serve you, to glorify you, to worship you there. Oh, what the future you have in store for us. And thank you that you have made it possible. We receive you and your forgiveness today. And we choose to leave this time to live it out by faith in Jesus Christ. In his awesome, most powerful name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I love you.